What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Letterman Lounge. Matt Parker in the lounge as a under-the-weather man, but still good enough, still spry enough to bring you the latest on the Ohio State recruiting trail. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Um, Matt, I hope you are feeling better. I hope you get to feeling better. And uh, let's talk some recruiting. Hey, thanks, buddy. It's uh, Life's all about how you handle adversity, right? That's, that's what it's all about. So we got the bag of Hall's cough drops over here and more NyQuil than, than God could ever give me. So we'll, we'll power through. But Hey man, handling adversity is the name of the episode. Okay. <clears throat> That's true. Uh, true. The Buckeyes, man, going through some adversity on the field, losing to Michigan last week. A lot of Ohio State targets watching Ohio State lose to Michigan. Not, a, not a, never a great thing. Um, then you couple that with, um, what transpired on Wednesday night and the uh, transaction that did happen on Wednesday night, as we can call it, I guess, or lack thereof. And then um, the off on the offensive side of the ball, the news that seems to be starting to come to fruition. Like it's just not a great week for Ohio state. It's almost a dark week for Ohio state. So let's just dive right into it. Um, the aftermath of the Michigan game dust starting to settle. Um, but then the dust was kicked back up on Wednesday night when five-star defensive lineman Justin Scott from Chicago, a Midwest guy, Midwest kid, um, decommits from the Buckeyes after surprising everyone and committing to Ohio State. Um, was one of the biggest like uh, recruiting bombs of the, the entire cycle when Justin Scott surprisingly committed to Ohio State. Doesn't even decommit from Ohio State, just outright flips to Miami. Everyone by now has seen the um, recruiting edit, the commitment flip edit from Hayes Fawcett with the cash floating around him and the uh, pile of money next to him with the ACC championship trophy that Miami has never won next to him with the national championship trophy Miami has never won, the big Narek trophy award that I don't know if Miami's ever won. Um, a lot going on in that graphic, but it kind of paints the picture of, of just how this happened. Um, and I'm going to open it up to you, Matt, but I'm going to lead off by saying I do not think that this is something that Ohio State fans should say. How could we possibly uh, lose this commit? Is Larry Johnson losing it? Uh, fire everybody. Like, no, this is not that. And I think that's the crux of what we're going to get at here. I think part of the reason why Ohio State fans feel that way is because Ohio State lost to Michigan for the third mm -hmm. year in a row. And it's like when that happens – Anything else that happens after that that is also negative is like a million times worse, you know? Like that's that's how I feel like with, with some things, you know? Sometimes you'll have a major thing not go the way you want it to and then everything else kind of like just, you know, percolates and stacks up. But, I mean, to the fan base's credit, like to Buckeye Nation's credit, like losing a five-star defensive tackle in a year where that defensive line is – there's mass exodus potentially happening in that defensive line room. And when you lose a five-star prospect, no matter how you lose him, whether that's citing relationships with the coaching staff, or you, you know, read between the tea leaves and look at that graphic and just be like, ah, I mean, Miami is a pretty wealthy place, but uh, as, as you've been to Miami before, right? Uh, not yet, but I might go there at the end of this month. That's that is true. Uh, I I took a trip. This, this we're already off the rails here, but I took a trip to Miami, and it's a very nice place. So, like, maybe that's what it's alluding to. Probably not. But my point here is, there's definitely 
there's definitely a reason to be upset anytime a five-star, especially defensive prospect, because Ohio State seemingly has a little more difficulty recruiting defense uh, in the last few years than it does offensive players. Uh, and losing Scott hurts like it does. And, and fans should, should be upset about that. However, the reason why they should be upset, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with Larry Johnson, because when you go back and you look at some of the quotes that, excuse me, that Justin Scott had when he announced his commitment on, on July 2nd, you know, it was all about, you know, LJ's plan for me said that, you know, if, if I'm not out of here in three years that, that he failed and like all this stuff that like we know to hear anytime Larry Johnson gets a kid on campus, uh, Justin Scott's mom like really loved Ryan day, really loved all of the things about the Ohio state program. Uh, and then like, it, it, I don't know, it's just a weird recruitment because like you go back and you look at some, like this entire recruitment, like he took one visit to Georgia, said he was ready to commit to Georgia. Then he took a visit to Notre Dame and like was going to commit to Notre Dame in January. And then took his official visit to Michigan like two weeks before he went to Ohio State. It was ready to be a Wolverine and then goes to Ohio State and commits to Ohio State a couple weeks after that. So it's a very wonky recruitment, I think, is, is the way to look at it. And make no mistake, like Justin Scott is a very talented prospect like he's he's uh, the number two defensive lineman and the number 10 overall prospect in the country by on three for a reason but <clears throat> when you just take a step back and look at the totality of what this recruitment has been like and how it has gone it's uh it, it's very interesting to me so that's yeah. kind of how i look at it yeah and like ohio state landed the commitment from Justin Scott. And I'm going to be careful with how I phrase this because like, we don't have the biggest microphones, but we do have microphones here. Like yeah, Ohio state landed this commitment with the help of an NIL operation. Like the Buckeyes did it and got the commitment in the first place because their NIL is in a good place. Yeah. But the Buckeyes are not going to get in the business of making defensive freshmen or freshmen of any sort for that matter. And this applies to um, defensive back recruitments from the South as well. They're not going to get in the business of making freshmen who have never stepped foot on campus yet, the highest paid players on the roster. They will never do that. And if you want to get mad about that, you're probably going to have to go be a fan of a program that will, because Ohio state is much more likely to throw its NIL apparatus behind the 85 than it is behind the potential guys who could be on the 85. Right. And I think that's as far as this has to go. Like we don't have to sit here for 45 minutes and talk about what went wrong with Justin Scott. No, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that like either one of us is rambling here, but like it, it's not that deep guys. Like, no. so but that to say, like again, just to just to recap, it's it's not that deep, but the loss does hurt, obviously. Yes, for sure. And so now, <clears throat> excuse me, now Ohio State is in like such an interesting position because defensive line is the one position that like you would think Ohio State can recruit pretty flawlessly, um, just because of Larry Johnson being there, the the legacy of Ohio State defensive linemen 
even before Larry Johnson was was the defensive line coach at Ohio State. Like Ohio State has always had a pretty rich tradition of defensive linemen. Um, and for the last, I mean, ever really ever since that 2021 cycle where JT Tui Moloau and Jack Sawyer uh, and Tyleek Williams and just so many other guys like really panned out in that 21 in that 21 class. Ever since then, it's been like a ah, okay, here we go. Let's see what happens. And here we are again in the 2024 cycle with the early signing period. As we record this, it's 20 days away, which like first of all is nuts because that doesn't that's not a lot of time and it's not a lot of time for ohio state to to figure things out um ohio state wants four or five defensive linemen um it has two right now with five star view for georgia edge it just got changed in the in the on three database by the way from defensive lineman to edge rusher which that that does matter um for because it's it's all about a projection which is why it matters um and so edrick houston the edge rusher ha get it uh five-star prospect um committed and then you have three-star defensive tackle eric mensa from stafford virginia mountain view high school who that's someone that ohio state flipped uh from virginia tech he was committed to virginia tech and now we talked about this a little bit last week i'm pretty sure um but Ohio State was planning on doing nothing this weekend. Or what Ohio State was planning on being in Indianapolis this weekend. Uh, and then obviously that did not happen. And the December, December 8th through the 10th is when Ohio State is having two defensive linemen official visitors come to campus with Carlin Jones, the four-star three tech out of Bay City, Texas who was committed to Nebraska and then decommitted, which is significant. Uh, I wrote about that at lettermanroad.com. You can take a look at that. And then a name that Ohio State fans have known for a while, and he's just been like super quiet with his recruitment. And now that signing day is like 20 days away, he's like, oh, wait, I should probably start taking this seriously, is Ernest Willor uh, from the Baltimore area. plays at. He used to play at IMG. Now he plays at uh, Concordia rep they just won either a league title or a state championship or something like that uh and he is making his official visit the 8th through the 10th as well i've already put in a prediction for ohio state to land carlin jones and you can read about the why at lettermanroad.com uh the biggest thing though with that prediction is just the timing of how that recruitment has gone but those are those are two prospects that like ohio state could very well land and then you also have a Morris williams who is still in the mix with Ohio State leading the charge in that recruitment. So, like, Ohio State is in a position to, I'm not going to say replace because, like, there's no replacing a five-star defensive tackle, um, especially when you need that high caliber of a guy. But Ohio State is in position to have the depth that it also needs. And I think when it comes to that, depth might be a little more important than just landing elite talent and only having three guys. Yeah, we also have to mention you know, Morris Williams uh, as part of the potential equation. You've got to, you can't just skip over this conversation without talking about, um, you know, uh, guys from last cycle like like Will Smith who could take a jump in the off season who who was hurt most of the year. Like there are guys on this roster that can step up. It's not like Justin Scott was going to make or break this program. He was going to step in and more than likely be a first day like day one contributor because I think he's that kind of talent. But 
go to Miami. That's fine. I mean, I mean, and with your with your point about those twenty three guys, like you have Jason Moore, who was a top fifty player, but was hurt for most of the year. Caden McDonald earned snaps, and mm-hmm. I don't think he was the highest ranked player. So, like, it's always interesting to see how these guys where they are ranked versus how they develop. Like Caden McDonald got some some pretty good minutes in the middle part of the season at at defensive tackle. So. It's all about, I mean, it's all about just getting to campus, getting the kids signed, obviously. And I don't know, man, these next 20 days are going to fly by. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State loses Justin Scott's going to try to replace him with a couple of other talented players. We'll see what happens. Uh, My money is on Larry Johnson being able to do that. I know uh, now Ohio State's money is elsewhere because uh, Justin Scott is now getting money and going to. Miami. I mean, we don't. And the thing about it is, like recruitments, a lot of times you you kind of like uh, you know tiptoe around those kind of things. No, when when the money's in the graphic, man, like it is that's what it is. Talent. Yeah, that's so that's pretty talent. Uh, speaking of money, if you'd like to spend your money on tickets to go to anything Ohio State or any concerts, Blue Jackets, if you want to put yourself through the torture of going to watch some Blue Jackets, uh, go to the Game Time app. GameTime.co is the place to go. You get, get your $20 off when you use the promo code Buckeyes. Use $20 off when you use the promo code Buckeyes on your first purchase on the Game Time app. Of course, terms apply, but they also do this thing, Matt. You know about it. You love it. You buy a ticket on the Game Time app. You find a ticket cheaper in the same section on a different app. You go back to the Game Time app. You say, hey, this ticket was cheaper. They refund you 110% the difference. We're not mathematicians here. We're not rocket scientists, but we do know that that's a pretty good deal. So go to GameTime.co or use the Game Time app. Use that promo code Buckeyes. Get $20 off your first purchase in the Game Time app or at GameTime.co. Save yourself some money. Go watch a sporting event. Go watch a movie. Go watch um, a concert of your choice. It's all there on the Game Time app. Use that promo code Buckeyes for $20 off, of course. Terms do apply. And speaking of terms, Matt, let's get into the terms of a commitment because Ohio State, um, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, we're not just sitting here telling you that our pets' heads are falling off. Um, Thanksgiving. Buckeyes uh, turkey trot their way into a commitment up from Coopersville, Michigan. Uh, Go up to Michigan, get a win on Thursday. Go up to Michigan, take a loss on Saturday. I mean, I don't think that that's really a trade-off that Ohio State fans would be willing to make, but it's, it is a nice little consolation prize here. Buckeyes land four-star offensive lineman Gabe Van Sickle on Thursday. Uh, really good player. I really like uh, the upside. Um, I'm not a scout, but I think that this is a, an upgrade for sure over what the Buckeyes had committed in this slot with Mark Nave. And that's no offense to Mark Nave. I just think Gabe Van Sickle is a little bit higher of a ceiling guy. So uh, what say you, Matt? How, how do you think that this uh, impacts the – the uh, the Buckeyes class. I think that this is a guy that's pretty underrated right now, as far as like how big of a pickup this is. I mean, it just goes to show that like Ohio State, when they find a guy, uh, when Ohio State finds someone that it likes late in a recruiting cycle, Ohio State has the ability to flip people. Like the program does. I don't think that's something that we necessarily talk about a whole lot, just because it's always about oh who's going to flip this kid from Ohio state, you know, like who's going to do this, who's going to do that. But Van Sickle was committed to Northwestern. I'm pretty sure. And, or yeah, I'm pretty sure. I know he was committed to Northwestern. I'm just spitballing here. The, the sickness is taking away some of my brain cells. So I'm really sorry about this. Everybody uh, was committed to Northwestern. Um, didn't flip. Like he, he did the Lincoln Keenholz thing, which made me laugh in the moment 
but he decommitted from Northwestern on the Tuesday, the week of Thanksgiving, and then committed to Ohio State on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, and I'm just like, well, if you knew that's what you're going to do, why didn't you just, you know, make one all one big thing? But for me personally, the timing of that worked out great. So I was happy about that very selfishly. Um, no, this is a guy that he kind of a swing tackle. That's what Ohio State sees him at. He's like 6'5", 315. I think he's going to start uh, start off getting developed on the interior, probably that guard position um, and which side of the line that he'll learn how to play both just because that adjustment to college, you got to get your footwork down on both sides of the ball um, and everything like that. That's a guy who a late bloomer for Ohio State uh, and on the recruiting trail took his official visit during the Penn State weekend on October 21st and then returned for an unofficial visit um, against Michigan State on November 11th. If I have those backwards, I do apologize, but pretty sure that is how that happened. And again, he sees a vision. His his biggest thing, Van Sickle's biggest thing was he wants to play the highest level of college football that he's able to. And you do a quick scan of his of his offers. Well, Ohio State is by far the biggest offer that that is at least reported because uh, he's a very quiet kid, not doesn't really dabble with the social media. However, he did have an all time uh, commitment post when he announced his commitment and he said just a kid from Michigan, but he used the red X emoji. Um, I thought that was pretty good. I was a big fan of that. Um, on a quick side note, though, do you think that Ohio State should stop using that? because they've lost to Michigan three times in a row now? Uh, I don't know. You know, like, I think it's based on, like, LeBron used the, just a kid from Akron. Ohio State has a pretty close ties with LeBron, so they, they – No, no, just... no. I'm saying should they stop using the – Oh, the M's? Yeah. The Red um, No, because they won that way against Urban, or with Urban. So, like, it's a – I don't know, man. I don't know what they got to do to win that game. Like, I, I do know – um, some of the things they need to do to win that game. But uh, I, I think that's probably a little more conversation for another time. But, like, yeah, it's worth looking at. Like, Just a thought. If it's, I don't know. If it's not working, like, if it's not – I'm just kind of wondering a little bit, you know. If the, if, the, uh, if the tradition isn't working, like, is it a tradition worth keeping? And that's something that you got to ask yourself. It's pretty introspective. Like, you got to really look in the mirror and be like, okay, what – what tradition wise, like, what are we doing wrong here? Like, is it worth hanging out with the band on Sunday night? Um, if you know, I'm not going to get into that conversation because I know that sparks the fan base. Um, but I'm just saying, commit to the bit because, like, there is a historical marker on the front on the side door of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And there's a few, there were more than a few words in there that had the letter M that were not blocked out. And I'm just like, well, if you're going to do it, you got to do it all the way, man. Like they yeah. block out Michigan Ave, which is a street sign on, on Ohio State's campus. So I don't know. I digress. That's just a random tangent. Anyway, to put a pin in the Gabe Van Sickle comments, Ohio State found its replacement for Mark Nave. Uh, they like they like both. I mean, obviously like both, but you have to keep landing really, really good talent. Uh, and that's what they did. They think that's what they got with Gabe Van Sickle. I I like Gabe Van Sickle. He's 6'5", 315, like you said. Uh, Donovan Jackson, 6'4", 3", like 10, 315. If you want like a, 
a little bit of a body type. I'm not saying that he's Donovan Jackson. Donovan Jackson was a top 10 overall player in the country, number one offensive lineman in the country for his recruiting class. Like, this is not apples apples to apples. But, like, body type-wise, can we talk about if Donovan could play tackle this year and instead he stayed at guard? Like, he's kind of a swing player in a way because Ohio State almost made him a swing player. I think Gabe Van Sickle can be that, like a swing guy. I wanted to say, like, a George Fitzpatrick because they're both 6'5", but Fitzpatrick's a little bit skinnier. Um, skinnier built like 280 to 300. He's definitely put on closer to that 300 range, but came to Ohio State at three at 280. So like, I think, I think Gabe Van Sickle is going to be, yeah, is going to be uh, one of those guys that, that you can watch. And he's probably going to end up being like a, a player that could definitely make an impact. Um, but I, I, I'm just a big fan of like going out and finding guys that you think can be like a developmental centerpiece of the offensive line in a couple years. Like it's worked for Ohio State really well. Like Ohio State has never been the offensive line, Matt, that has to go out and like find uh, a bunch of five stars to put together an offensive line. Like they've, they've never been that program that that has to go find the five stars, but but they they will but they don't have to. And so like, I like this a lot, like get Justin Fry, like his kind of guy and OKG, our kind of guy, put him in the program. And in year two or year three, you're going to see that pay off with a guy like Gabe Van Sickle, especially because like the experts at on three, the experts at other uh, recruiting sites, especially on three and, and uh, the folks at 24 seven are starting to catch on that. He's a good player. Uh, ESPN still has him as a 78 overall grade. Like that's just not, the case on three has him in as a 90 the number 253 overall player um 24 7 has him as an 89 uh, not in the top 247 but he's the number 10 player in michigan the number 22 interior offensive lineman like the, the folks who know what they're talking about like him and so i think that this is a, a really good get for ohio state and putting a pin in it like i think that it's a good get for ohio state but they can't be done um on the offensive line trail because that is too important like I don't think it's going to happen. We're in wait and see mode. I'm in, um, I'll believe it when I see mode. And I know you and I have both been kind of lockstep there the last few weeks. Like at this point, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, circling back to the, the Van Sickle comment, you pair him up, by the way, with Ian Moore, who was a six foot six, three fifteen behemoth. Like we saw Ian in person, and just like how much bigger he's gotten over the a year. And then the Armstrong twins, who are going to, I mean, they're really good football players. They're really talented, but they just need to keep developing physically, uh, which they certainly will with heading down to Mick Marotti. Um, I mean, this is a pretty good offensive line class. Uh, I mean, of course, you have your your swings and misses on on national guys, but. The last national guy here is Jordan Seaton. And really, it comes down to two things. And we kind of have already talked about this at the beginning of the show. Are you willing to, you know, use your NIL efforts for someone that has never played college football before? Or are you willing to use your NIL efforts um, in the transfer portal, which I've already seen, uh, I mean, the portal doesn't even open until December 4th, but like I've already seen people committed that have entered the transfer portal. And I'm just like, what, what the hell is going on? Like, what, what are we doing here? But I have seen a lot of offensive tackles that are, that are in the portal. 
And I'm sure some of them like Ohio state is interested in like the, the guy's name escapes me, but the guy from Indiana who went to Olentangy Liberty, like Carter Smith. Yeah. Like I'm sure that's a guy that Ohio state is going to look at. So really and truly it comes down to how, cause like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like you're going to have to use your NIL efforts to get offensive tackles anymore. That's just the way it is. And like, that's how it's going to be unless guardrails come up for that. But, you know, we'll see about that. As far as a visit goes for Jordan Seton, I mean, Ohio State really, they, Ohio State only has three more weekends for when it can have visits. It can have this weekend, the first through the third, the eighth through the 10th. And then I believe it's the 15th through the 17th. Is that correct? That last, that third weekend in December? Yeah. Um, eighth through the 10th uh, probably would be the ideal one because Ohio State already has two defensive linemen visiting that weekend. Uh, still trying to confirm if the four-star safety and Minnesota commit Coy Perrick is taking his official visit to Ohio State that weekend as well. I do believe he is, but I will get that 100% confirmed ASAP. Um, and so if you already have three official visitors on campus, you might as well add a fourth. And especially since the three others are – defensive guys that allows the entire Ohio state offensive staff to be around Jordan Seton. Will that happen? I mean, we'll see. I have serious doubts that, that it won't happen. Uh, I think I've made that clear. And on this specific program, as some folks say, but that's a guy Ohio state desperately needs. Um, and I, I just don't see a world where, where the Buckeyes pull it off. Unfortunately. The problem for me, Matt, you can barely get the kid on campus. And getting him on campus does not mean he's just going to commit. Right. So if you're having a hard time getting him on campus, how hard do you think it's going to be to land a commitment and a signature? Yeah. So, like, even if he comes to campus and, and visits Ohio State, I just don't see it. And like the thing is, if he comes on campus, like it's he's he's a very impressionable kid. And so like if he if he comes on, if he if he gets to campus, you're gonna read things that, oh, I loved it, you know, relationships are great, like you know, they do this different than everyone else. And it's gonna be the this copy cut paste as it was for Colorado, Tennessee, Alabama, Oregon, you know, all the places that he has been. And I don't know. I just I will I will tell you this. Look, man, Justin Fry makes a million dollars a year. There's no reason for either one of us to carry water for Justin Fry. I, I, I've talked to Justin before. Uh, I think he's doing a good job with this offensive line, but he has no. Re we have no reason to sit here on November 30th and, and carry the water for him. But I will say this. He's doing everything he possibly can right now to get Jordan Seton on campus. If Jordan Seton does not visit Ohio State and does not commit to Ohio State, it is not for lack of doing everything in Ohio State's power to get him on campus and to get him to commit to Ohio State. Right. So, and it's and it's not just, Yeah, it's not just Justin Fry. I mean, it's Ryan Day, it's Brian Hartline, even Tony Alford is involved in this recruitment to an extent. Um, Mark Pantone obviously is super involved. I mean, like the whole, basically the whole building is, is working at this and you can't fire everybody. So like, 
And I don't think anyone anyone that we just named off is, you know, on any kind of hot seat because of this recruitment to begin with. So I don't know, man. These next like three weeks are gonna be very interesting. Is, is well, I feel. The problem is I just know that that if if Jordan Seen doesn't visit Ohio State and ends up going elsewhere, whether it's Colorado or Tennessee, look, Ohio State shouldn't have to recruit against those teams. And they are right now, but they really shouldn't have to. Like Ohio State's better than Tennessee. Ohio State is one thousand percent better than freaking Colorado. But like I like I'm just prepping people like if this doesn't go in Ohio State's direction, it is not something where you can just point the finger at Justin Fry and be like, Fry's got to go, man. Like, this is not good. Like, they're doing – again, I have no reason to pump this up and and shoot, you know, fireworks up in the air for these coaches. But, like, they're doing what they can for this recruitment, and it might, just might not be enough. Like, like, Larry Johnson deserves a lot of blame for the last few years and the way defensive line recruiting is going. He does not deserve the blame for the way the Justin Scott recruitment turned. And so, like, it's just – it's one of these things, man. And college football recruiting is going to continue to get even weirder and weirder and weirder. And this is just where we're at right now. So, Jordan Seaton, um, I'm pessimistic. I, I believe you are as well. Um, if you have any final thoughts on Seaton before we get out of here. Well, I don't, but let's end the show on a, on a, on a good note because this week has just been – I feel like – I feel yeah. like Buckeye Nation has just really took it on the shins this week. And uh, let's end it on a positive note here with that. There are six Ohio State commits that are playing in state championships this weekend in the state of Ohio. Uh, Deontay and Devontae Armstrong for St. Edward are playing against Springfield, which is also the home of Aaron Scott Jr. So those two are playing in the Division One state championship Friday night. And... That's the third consecutive matchup in the Division One state championship between those two schools, by the way. St. Ed's has the 2-0 advantage right now, so we'll see if they get the sweep. Um, so that's Friday night. Uh, tonight, tonight, Thursday night, Maslin Washington and Archbishop Hoban, which is where 2025 linebacker Eli Lee plays. That is tonight, uh, which I didn't, I didn't know this, but did you know that if, if Maslin wins this state championship, that's like their first non-claimed state championship. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That's fascinating to me. I, I did not know that. And like you and I, I mean, we both grew up in Ohio. So like across the state, everyone knows like historic Maslin. And like I never realized that they had never won like a true state championship. So like that's pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, let me see. What else? Oh, and then on Saturday uh, – in the Division Four state championship, Glenville, home to Bryce West and Damarian Witten, are playing Archbishop ooh, Alter, I want to say. I believe that's the school where C.J. Hicks went, right? Yeah, so that's who, that is who they are playing on Saturday. And it's worth noting that Glenville, they are defending, reigning Division Four state champs. So all of those are taking place. Um in Canton at the Hall of Fame Stadium up there in Canton, so uh, I would I would love to make it, but uh, seeing as how I am sick, it's going to be some nasty weather Friday, and just not going to put myself in that position. But if you're up in the area or you just love high school football, because high school football is the best, uh, go check out some future Buckeyes playing for for some hardware this weekend. I think there's going to be some Buckeyes winning some state championship rings. Um, depending on how things shake out on the college level, 
could be some Buckeyes competing for other rings uh, if things shake out for the Buckeyes. We will have full coverage of both the high school state championships. Of course, Matt's going to have uh, some stories about the winners, stuff like that, on LettermanRow.com. We will have full coverage of Ohio State and its potential bowl responsibilities, whether that's the Orange Bowl or the College Bowl playoff. You can catch that all at LettermanRow.com. You can right now go to LettermanRow.com, get the full plethora of coverage, one, $1 for two months if you use the code OSU1, a special offer to YouTube people only. That's right. I'll flash it up there again, the special offer, $1 for two months when you use the code OSU1. Um, where Matt and I's content resides, where Tim May's content, the 40 year of that, he's over there at lettermanrow.com. Alex Gleitman helping Matt out on the recruiting side, doing a great job. And then Andy Backstrom over there uh, with me on the team side, covering the Buckeyes, every angle of the Buckeyes. We do it 365 days a year at lettermanrow.com. Thanks for watching the latest Letterman Lounge. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys back in the lounge next week. We continue to break down the Buckeyes' sprint to National Signing Day.